Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. You want to find out what the heck is going on in the world? Well, tune in to the Cats at Night, and you'll find out. Uh, we in the studio with us. We have two common-sense Democrats. We have Judge Richard Weinberg, and we have Hank Schenkoff. Hank has represented everybody. Uh, and one common sense uh, Republican. We have Governor George Pataki. Governor, welcome to the studio. Thank you, John. I'm surrounded by Democrats, but they're both sensible Democrats. They're sensible. So that's okay. Let the record reflect. That's all right. I'm used to it. I'm yeah, used to it. Yeah. And, uh, and on my sidekick here, we have Lydia Serrani. And I understand we have Eddie. And we have a great show, but we're going to go right into it and tell you who else is going to be on the show later. Lydia, introduce Ambassador Bolton's coming right on. Ambassador. Ambassador Bolton, he's on the line with us right now. He served as the president's national security advisor as, and also as the ambassador to the United Nations. Welcome back to Cats and Night. And he needs many bodyguards, I understand. Yes, we are very glad <laughs> you are alive and well, Ambassador Bolton. So <laughs> tell us, uh, Ambassador, tell us what the heck is going on in Iran. That whole area, there's, there's so many problems. Give us your, your reading of things. Well, you know, a lot has come to light just in, in, in the recent days. It's not just the threat against me that was uh, filed as criminal charges by our Justice Department unsealed last week. We know there are also threats against former Secretary of Defense Mark Esper, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, uh, and many other former government officials. But it, it even goes beyond that. We saw last weekend uh, up in western New York uh, – uh, Salman Rushdie attacked uh, uh, because of this fatwa that the uh, original Ayatollah Khomeini uh, had imposed on him, grievously wounded. We saw in Brooklyn, New York, I guess it's about three weeks ago now, uh, Masi Alinejad, an Iranian-American citizen, advocate for women's rights in uh, Iran. Some guy so shows up on her porch with a, with a loaded AK-47. Uh, all of this launched by the government of Iran at the same time and, and feeling – Complete impunity, I suppose, uh, as as the Biden administration is trying to go back into the misbegotten 2015 Iran nuclear deal. And I think it's because Iran simply does not fear the consequences of this kind of behavior. It really goes beyond state sponsorship of terrorism. This is a state terrorist uh, that is committing acts or threatening to commit acts, trying to commit acts against American citizens on American soil. Uh, it's just unprecedented, uh, to, to my knowledge. Ambassador Bolton, why would the Biden administration try to make an actual deal with the devil? The, the best I can say is this. I think they're trying to compartmentalize the nuclear deal in one silo and acts of state terrorism in a different silo. I, I don't think they see it that way in Tehran, and I don't think we should see it that way. These threats against uh, me, Pompeo, Esper, uh, Salman Rushdie, on and on and on, tell you what the real mindset is in among the Ayatollahs in Tehran. It tells you what the character of the regime is. They're not going to honor any commitments they make on this nuclear deal any more than we would trust them to honor a commitment that they won't try and kill Americans on American soil. You cannot compartmentalize 
uh, issues uh, with a government like the one ruling Iran today. And why would we give them more money to sponsor terrorism? Well, it's a very good point. Look, what the Iranians really want is relief from economic sanctions. And they want, as in 2015, when the original deal was signed, they want billions of dollars of frozen assets all over the world to come back to them, which would do precisely what you say, help them fund more terrorism and advance their nuclear program. Ambassador, this is George Pataki. Thank you for your service. Is there, it seems to me that our government is hell-bent on a deal regardless of what we have to concede to get there. Is there any chance that uh, somehow this can be derailed and common sense prevail and the government understand that giving billions of dollars and empowering a terrorist government to do even more against the West is insanity? Well, you know, I, I wish I wish I could give you something to be optimistic about. I just think the White House has completely lost the bubble on this thing. Uh, they, they don't see the damage that's going to be done to the country. They're determined as per, like pursuing a holy grail. What, what I would say, though, is that on Capitol Hill, my sense is that this is very different from the original deal in 2015. Republicans are unanimous uh, against going back into it. But this time there's really significant Democratic opposition to it. And I wish there were a way, and, and George, you and I are probably not the two people to try and give this advice, but to break through politically to the White House from Democrats who say you, you can't burden our candidates this November with with this uh, in in may not be a national issue. But in, but in some congressional districts and states, it could make a big difference. Let's go. Let's go to a, a, a Democratic uh, strategist that, that has helped many Democratic presidents. Uh, Hank Schenkoff. How are you, Ambassador? It's a pleasure to speak with you. Glad to be with you. Thank you. What is going on in Syria? You know, I think about the Mediterranean Basin as the entry, entry point to the world in many ways. The Chinese now have entered into the, into the, into the area with the Russians, with the Iranians. What is that, that mixture all about? Less about Israel. Israel can defend itself. But what is going on there that they're so interested in being in that one place? And what does it mean for American peace and American power throughout the world? Well, it's an important question, and I think the, the, the risk that we face and that our friends in the region face is that the interests of Iran, China, and Russia uh, today coincide in very significant ways. You know, uh, they, they, uh, China is an energy-poor country. It desperately needs oil and gas from wherever it can get it. Uh, Iran and Russia, both rogue states, they, 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 although they're oil and gas producers, it helps them to cooperate with each other to avoid international uh, sanctions, uh, specifically in the Middle East. I think Iran wants hegemony over uh, the region, and it's part of the uh, centuries-long battle between Shia and Sunni Islam. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's one reason this, these, these tectonic shifts that have occurred in the Middle East that has driven Gulf Arab countries toward Israel, the Abraham Accords, the exchange of full diplomatic uh, relations, because the Arab states now increasingly see Israel as a trustworthy ally against the Iranian threat. And I think the U.S. continues to have real interest there, which is why, uh, in my mind, going back into the nuclear deal with Iran is, is such a mistake and why it's so disturbing to our own best allies in the region, Israel, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and others. But how does it get stopped since it's not a treaty? Well, that's, there's, a, there's a long story there. The the Senate has given up much of its treaty ratification power over the past 75 years. 
They, they ought to try and take it back. I personally think this is a good deal to, to fight over. If this is not deserving of uh, being treated as a treaty, I, I don't know what else is. But but my hope is that somehow responsible Democrats will get to the White House and say, uh, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole here. It's going to cost us and the country if we continue to pursue it. The Democrats have become much less interested in understanding of foreign affairs and much more obsessed with domestic opportunities. And um, they're running campaigns that are much more domestically based that do not take into any account America's exposure and potential dangers throughout the world. I mean, you've traveled the country. You've seen it at hand. What is going to happen if the Democrats don't get engaged here? Well, I'm I'm very worried. I, I agree with your assessment of the Democratic Party. There's no Scoop Jackson wing anymore. There isn't a Joe Lieberman wing anymore. Uh, and but look, you know, there there is this virus of isolationism within the Republican Party too. It's not good for the country. We need we're we're in a period of enormous uncertainty and threat around the world, and we need. Uh, leaders, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, who speak to the people about the threats we face and explain what we need to do to keep our uh, our economy safe, keep our country safe. Ambassador, after the disaster in our surrender and withdrawal from Afghanistan, we now see that— yeah, the, Yesterday was the one-year anniversary. One-year anniversary. We see that uh, uh, the leader of uh, al-Qaeda— uh, was living openly in Kabul after having to hide in a small town until we withdrew. To what extent do you see al-Qaeda in Afghanistan reclaiming the ability to threaten us here and around the globe? Well, I think they're working hard at it, as is ISIS-K, uh, which is based in Afghanistan. Now, the, the administration recently released an intelligence assessment that said they, they assessed that I, that al-Qaeda didn't have the capability to attack us because they didn't see a separate al-Qaeda capability building up as it had 20 years ago. But the question you ask about the, uh, uh, Zawahiri, the, the al-Qaeda leader killed by uh, an American missile in Kabul, shows that, in effect, uh, al-Qaeda and, and Taliban are melded together. There's no separate al-Qaeda capability because it rests within the Taliban uh, envelope. And so I think, as the administration has said previously, the risk of terrorist attacks on the United States or on other friends of ours uh, emanating from the soil of, of Afghanistan is something we need to worry about. We are much less safe here after the withdrawal. Afghanistan was not completely solved. The picture was not entirely pretty, but there's one central fact of American presence there, and that is since 9-11, we have not been attacked by terrorists based in Afghanistan, and that is now at risk again. That is, I think you're exactly right, Ambassador, and I would add to it, and you might disagree, but the attacks on law enforcement in this country, particularly the FBI and the NYPD, is an overwhelming threat to the national security. Those we have detectives, NYPD detectives stationed all over the world, working with personnel, other security agencies who have an interest in ensuring that terrorism does not go on. And now we're hobbling the NYPD, and we are going after the FBI. Very dangerous, don't you think? Well, uh, let me say, uh, I, I have benefited personally from the professional work of the FBI in, in uncovering and investigating this <coughs> Iranian threat. I'm an alumnus of the Department of Justice. I, I have the highest respect uh, for the professionalism of the lawyers uh, and the FBI agents there. I benefit from the protection of the Secret Service, again, as I had when I was National Security Advisor, and I, I owe thanks to President Biden for authorizing that. Look, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a law and order Republican, and uh, 
And I think it's a it's a tragedy if the Republican Party abandons that position. People need to understand what these bodies do. Uh, and if they don't understand it, I'd say to members of the House, Democrat or Republican, take a day and go over the FBI and go through and talk to people. Ambassador, you recently said that Attorney General Garland is a lamb about to be slaughtered by Donald Trump. What did you mean by that? Well, I think there are two issues here with respect to the search warrant that was executed at Mar-a-Lago. One is the legal issue. The other is the political issue. And I was referring there to the political risk. Garland has been a judge for over 20 years. He he has lived within that that community. Uh, It's a community that's entirely based on rules. It's not it's not a source of political activism. Uh, and, and he's trying to restore professionalism to the Department of Justice. And and all the steps he has taken so far reflect traditional ways the Justice Department approaches sensitive prosecutions. Donald Trump doesn't follow anybody's rules. And uh, I mean, we can go through some of the specifics, but I worry that Garland is just uh, isolated uh, and that the political attacks on him will compromise the Department of Justice ultimately. Well, Ambassador, thank you so much for coming on. we got a minute left. Anything you want to say? Well, I think it's uh, – as e- even though we're all consumed with what's happening at Mar-a-Lago, I- I'm, I'm glad to have the chance to talk about these threats around the world. And I think it's, it's very important people continue to think about the risk we face from China – which in my view is the existential threat to the U.S. in the 21st century. A lot's going on there. We've talked about Taiwan before, but but keep your eye on what's happening with China. And if, and if Thucydides were alive, you would agree with you 100%. How's that? It's Thucydides' trap. Good Americans company. have forgotten. Good company. Thank you so much. We're going to be taking, uh, and we'll talk to you again real soon. We're going to be taking a break, and when we come back, there's a lot more to talk about. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidi's Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, Professor Alan Dershowitz. Just a couple of decades at Harvard Law, constitutional expert, and his latest book, The what is it? It's The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Professor Dershowitz. Your book title yeah. couldn't be more poignant than than at this moment in time. Well, I've tried to live my life based on principles, essentially three principles, free speech for everybody, due process for everybody, and real equality for everybody. And I'm being you know, punished for that because I'm not a partisan enough. I'm not strongly enough against Trump. And so people but on Martha's Vineyard you know, censor me. Yeah. Professor, yeah. you still have a Harvard uh, email address. They haven't taken that away from you yet. Uh, no, they're not going to. You know, I had tenure for 50 years. I taught 10,000 students. Some of the leading leaders of the country today are students who came through my class. I can't walk down a street without somebody coming over to me and saying, I was in your class in 1990. I was in your class. this Last night I was at a restaurant. Two guys came over to me. I was in your class. And then a woman came over to me. I was in your class. So my influence, whether or not I'm canceled now, uh, continues. That's the great thing about being I, I'm going to make up business cards advisor to Alan uh, Dershowitz. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I'll be an advisor to you. You're yeah. you're the influential person. And, uh, you know, I wrote my book, The Case, The Price of Principle, because I have to tell this story about how principle really results in attacks on me, attacks on my family, attacks on my friends, attacks. Uh, you can't go. I can't speak in the library. I can't speak in the synagogue just because I defended President Trump in front of the Senate. I can speak on cats, though. That's more important you, than anything. You, you, we have everybody speak on cats. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you had a significant question to ask to you. <clears throat> Professor Dershowitz, it's Richard Weinberg. I read your uh, your article about this double standard. Yeah. Uh, about the whatabouts. Would you explain that to our listeners? Yeah. You know, Hillary Clinton, who I know, who's a friend, walks around with a hat, uh, you know, basically mocking the argument that says, why shouldn't there be equality uh, between two potential presidential candidates? She was a presidential candidate. There were problems with her classified uh, mail, and and she was not criminally investigated or indicted. In fact, the head of the FBI said nobody would prosecute somebody like that. And then you have Trump, who is probably going to run for president again, and he is being uh, investigated with a search warrant. And, and uh, you know, the argument that, that you make about equality, they mock it by saying, oh, what about her emails or, you know, what about ism? Uh, no, those are good arguments. In a country committed to equality, uh, you must ask the question, what about Sandy Berger? What about Hillary Clinton? Why were they not subjected to this kind of massive search that included the closet of Mrs. Trump and you know a safe that nothing was in? You can't have a double standard of justice, and you can't say when people – are against the double standard of justice. Oh, that's just what about ism? That's just what about ism? Two wrongs don't make a right. No, but if two wrongs are treated differently, it's a third wrong, and we can't allow that. I, 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 professor, uh, I mean, people were saying yesterday, and we were talking that uh, we're coming down to what happened in Mar-a-Lago. Either Trump gets indicted, or Garland has to resign. It's going to have to be one or the other. Well, no, I think Garland could become a gentleman here and can get up and say, look, we've done an investigation thoroughly, and we've concluded there that there's nothing there. Uh, and that's well, why after, we that'll be so on page Well, that'll be on page 49 of, uh, no, of the I Washington know. Post. <laughs> and now, Professor Dershowitz, well, we have the Trump, Trump administration. They're asking for a complete transparency. The DOJ wants to yeah. not have the affidavit unsealed, and a Florida judge is expected to hold a hearing this week. Yeah, yeah. What are your predictions? Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea to unseal well, think- the supporting affidavit? I think it's essential. In in my book, The Price of Principle, I say that one of the principles that I've always lived by is that if there's a conflict between two people and one of them wants everything to come out and the other one wants to keep everything secret, always believe the person who wants everything to come out. And now in this case, we see Trump says, reveal the affidavit. Oh, you can cut the names of the informers out, confidential informers. We can redact. But we have to know what were they looking for? Were they actually looking for nuclear secrets? And if they were, why did they wait eight months? Why did they even wait three days after they got the warrant? <coughs> they didn't even search that day. So it can't be that much of an emergency. It, it, I think we it's all American a bunch public. of crap, Professor. I don't think yeah. that, that Trump would not have nuclear se- secrets. What would he do uh, with them? And the, the nuclear codes, they change them every day. Of course. I mean, 
I, I mean, this is they just want to feed the people of our country a bunch of crap. And Merrick Garland well, we also said that. that he waited weeks. He was deciding for weeks whether or not to conduct the raid. They also took the weekend off before they did it. If there was such yeah. highly sensitive information that Trump had that risked national security, why wait so many weeks? Why take the weekend off? It's just not making any sense. No, I, I agree with you. I presume everybody innocent, and so I'm presuming Garland Innocent as well. I knew him when he was a Harvard Law student. He's a very decent man. I supported his nomination to the Supreme Court, but he owes us an explanation. And he didn't do it in his statement. He said, oh, we have to have even handedness. Oh, we don't go in for searches unless there's no other alternative. All of that was the right thing to say. But he hasn't given us the basic information. Why did you have to have a search warrant? Why wasn't the subpoena enough? You could have enforced the subpoena, made them bring the boxes to court. The judge would go through the boxes, decide which documents are privileged, which are not. And we would have had reasonable justice here. They grab everything, including his passports. And, and then took they have to nine, hours. Saying, Whoops. Yeah. nine hours. Nine hours. Governor yeah. Pataki, you had a question? Yeah, Professor, this is George Pataki. Uh, first, hi, I, Governor Pataki. Hi. You were a great governor. I really liked, I really loved the way you ran New York. Well, thank you very much. Uh, from a liberal Democrat, I'll accept it <laughs> with, with okay. gratitude. Uh, I think what you said earlier about the, the double standard and the, the Hillary and uh, emails compared to the Trump treatment is absolutely true. And the perception that I have, and I think almost a majority, if not a majority of Americans have, is that we have a politically partisan Justice Department. Uh, now, Ambassador, Ambassador Bolton yeah. was just on defending the FBI and the Justice Department. And I understand it. There are great people there. But yeah. to, uh, given the Russian hoax and what we've seen lately, uh, do you believe that the top of the Justice Department uh, is untrustworthy because of the partisan nature of how they're trying to conduct justice in this country? You put your finger right on it. I think it's inherent in the Justice Department that they'll always be untrustworthy. That's why we need special counsel. You shouldn't have one person, the attorney general, who is the political advisor to the president, whose job it is to try to get the president reelected, who is in the president's cabinet deciding who to prosecute. There should be a separate division. A separate unit. In England, it's called the Director of Public Prosecution. In Israel, there's a separate unit. In most European democracies, they separate out two functions of the Justice Department. We merge them together, and that's why we've had this problem for years. We had it when Clinton was indicted. We had it with, when, when Reagan was in office. We had it with Meese. We had it with, with Watergate. We have to divide the Justice Department into two different I think we all agree. We all yeah. agree because right now the Justice Department is just an arm of the executive office, and they control the FBI. And I understand through a lot of my friends in the FBI that uh, the FBI is really annoyed that Garland, your, fr your friend Garland, yeah. is putting yeah. the thumbs on them. Right. 14 yeah. FBI whistleblowers yeah. came forward alleging misconduct, basically, on the part yeah. of the FBI. Look, I love FBI agents. I've had a lot of dealings with them. I, and and they're, they're some of the bravest people in America, but there's an institutional problem here. Unfortunately, I have my own podcast, so I have to go, but love to be on again as soon as possible. Well, thank you, Professor Dershowitz, and, uh, and uh, uh, he always comes up with uh, common sense uh, 
solutions. What, what say you, uh, Governor? Well, yes, but I, I disagree with what he just said about the, the Justice Department inherently and for a long term uh, being partisan. I don't think we've seen anything like we see right now in it's the partisan horrible. nature of horrible. the Justice Department. Well, no. We saw it with Hunter Biden. Well, wait, wait. We see it how now. About, how about with, uh, with President Obama's uh, Justice Department? Yeah, no question. Well, uh, I mean, they did whatever they want. Got, how about uh, the Palmer raids in the early part of the 20th century? Woodrow Wilson's Attorney General. Ridiculous. We're going to take a break right now. and We're going to have uh, Lou Dobbs give us a financial report. And when we come back, I want to talk about what happened today in uh, New York amongst ourselves. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Breaking news, WABC. Former Governor Cuomo, he had sued an ethics panel, and it looks like he won. The New York judge has ruled that Cuomo does not have to surrender his book profits for now. All right, Governor Pataki or, or uh, Judge Weinberg? Well, well uh, I'll defer what, to the governor. Lydia, what, I, what you just said, I think, is the critical part for now. And they didn't find that uh, they weren't justified in seeking to get the funds back, the more than $5 million, which I think belong to either the families of the victims who died in nursing homes or the people of New York State and not Andrew Cuomo. But what they said is that uh, his due process rights were violated by J. Cope. J. Cope is the former so-called ethics watchdog group, which in Albany was known as J. Joke because it was so totally controlled by Governor Cuomo until he was forced out of office. So I don't think it's necessarily the determining decision. They have said that the new ethics commission has the right to review it. I would hope they would and find that these funds belong to the people of New York. Hank Schenkel, politically, what does this mean? Who stabbed who in the back? Well, this is called who cares who stabbed who in the back. The issue here <laughs> is they all stab each other. Why? Because what They're Andrew Cuomo wants to do is to use this all and to get into the public limelight again to do one thing, to make sure that Kathy Hochul is not reelected. That's his move. So she's – what about Tish James? I know she's a target of his as oh, well. Yeah, Listen, with due deference to, to the attorney general of the state of New York, without Andrew Cuomo, she wouldn't have been there in the first place. I mean, oh. he put her there. So this is this is called, you know, let's be – let's – I mean, it's, the whole thing's a disgrace. Andrew Cuomo's back in play. He's now got a bully pulpit of which to operate. He's got a lawyer that's going to help him do it. It's not a bad deal for him. You know, if he can figure out how to kill Hochul, he'll do it. That's what he's here for. Judge Weinberg, your thoughts? I think the governor's absolutely correct. It's uh, it's the first round, one for, for Cuomo. They can bring this back. They want to disgorge the profits. The question is, who gets who gets the profits? I think uh, the governor's is absolutely correct. If If profits were made, it should be given to the victims in those nursing homes. And, and Governor Pataki, one last... Uh... Yeah, there's the legal issue, and then there's right and wrong. And, and it was absolutely wrong for Andrew Cuomo to make over $5 million during the height of the COVID crisis while tens of thousands of people were dying in this state. Was it, it's was wrong. It the, was it the book company offering a quasi-bribe? Well, you never know with uh, with Andrew, but it was just wrong in the first place, and the people should get that. And the money. book was about what a great leader he was during the COVID crisis, right. and we were number one in the country and with the, the number rules, of deaths. One of the rules, by the way, I of mean, the, the scope, and is you're not supposed to use your position and talk about your position to make money off of and it. And use employees that are being paid exactly by the right. state to work on your book. So you know, now, you I'm, know, I can tell you, I had a lot of crises when I was governor. 
You never had the time to sit down and reflectively write a book so you could make $5 million. You weren't doing your job if you were doing that. He should have been paying attention to what was happening in nursing homes. Governor, you should have ran one more time. And now we (laughs) know why he undercounted the COVID deaths. Well, thank you, John. Well, now to another truth teller that we have, a great investigative reporter, Miranda Devine, the New York Post columnist. She blew the lid wide open on the Hunter laptop from hell. That's her latest book. And she's got a lot to say. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Miranda Devine. Thanks very much for having me again. So where do you want to start? Hunter Biden, Trump raid, the migrants that are flying in the dead of night here to New York. The vindictive Joe Biden. And and meanwhile, we've got our mayors blaming uh, Governor Abbott. And it's thousands have already come here from the due to the Biden administration. It's incredible, isn't it? And it's interesting to see how. Eric Adams has sort of flipped this around because he looked so bad uh, because Greg Abbott's ruse of sending a couple of buses to New York um, had just made him lose his mind. And so he's now flipped it around. He has a besuited concierge down at the Port Authority meeting the buses, shaking each one of these illegal migrants' hands. And um, he's putting them up, he says, in in lavish circumstances in a, the beautiful The Row Hotel in in on Eighth Avenue in Midtown. So um, that's a that's a hotel where tourists used to pay, you know, four hundred dollars a night, and now it's being turned into a homeless shelter, and they're going to have a special. Who owns the hotel, uh, my Miranda? Who owns the hotel? Who Whoever owns, owns the hotel is making a couple of bucks here. Yeah? Who owns now, the hotel? Of they are. Yeah, huh? I don't know. That's a good question. Well, I question. think you should look I'll into it. I think that's a job of yes. the New York Post. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, we, we broke the story that this is what they're doing. And, um, and of course... Uh, There's an old story. Having... Follow the money. Exactly. But, I mean, what, what does that help us? We know that these hotels are getting lots of money from from the city because the tourists have dried up because Midtown is full of crazy people, uh, drug addicts and mentally ill people. And um, there are a lot of tourists here in July, but it's not uh, July and August, but it's not as much as there were pre-pandemic. And it should have come back by now. Broadway's open. Um, you know, the restaurants, the ones that stayed open are still open. But you have the, the city, Eric Adams, just hell-bent on maintaining the de Blasio disaster of stacking hotels. During the pandemic, we were told it was just a temporary measure you put all the people they emptied out of Rikers Island into the hotels. Then you'd put all the other homeless people. The homeless problem is as bad as ever, uh, worse than ever, on the street. So what, what, you know, what these hotels, who's in these hotels? Well, now we know. Well, I th- I think Illegal it's, migrants. It, it's Hank Shakeup. I think you have to give credit, though, Miranda, somewhat I, to Eric Adams for being among the great dancers of our time. He flipped <laughs> this around to make Greg Abbott the enemy. It was really Greg Abbott was out of line, but he's doing what he has to do, get be elected against a bit of a work by attacking the Yankees, which is always a good thing for a Texan to do, particularly a Texan on the, on the right. So it's perfect. But well, well, Adams turned Hank, this around. It Hank, was perfect. Hank, yeah. it was, it was, fairness, in fairness to Governor Abbott, it happens to be good political theater. But the fact is that this is not an Abbott problem. This is a Biden administration listen, problem. You won't get an argument here. I'm saying that what Abbott did is really smart politically. You know, he's just, ready for re-election. He's uh, doing what he's got to do. I just saw a polling today that showed him way up uh, over O'Rourke, and it had been close. And, uh, you know, we're complaining about the how many hundreds have come here. I just saw today that they now have hit 2 million illegals 
uh, apprehended at the border. And the vast majority of those are in Texas. You can only imagine what they have to go through. Uh, Miranda, uh, this is George Pataki. I used to sp- think that I could speak English. Now I'm listening to you, and I'm starting to think I should take diction. You know she's uh, from Queens originally? She was born in Queens. It's a Queens accent. You can always tell that Queens accent. Queens accent. I'm from London. You know, but anyway, Hunter Biden. You know, we were talking earlier about the Justice Department, um, and you obviously had a very serious run-in. Do you think it has become just so blindly partisan uh, that it needs to be cleared out completely at the top? I I absolutely do. And, of course, uh, Merrick Garland uh, has a beef against Donald Trump because his dream job that he was in tears about when uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden were there in the Rose Garden with him um, it, to be on the Supreme Court. Donald Trump, one of the first things he did was rip up that nomination. So he has a beef. Uh, and then underneath him, I mean, Lisa Monaco, who was uh, one of the people, uh, Obama loyalists, who was involved in the Russia collusion hoax. That's his deputy attorney general. Her deputy is the same. Uh, so there's a real, um, there's a, you know, the Obama people are back at the DOJ and uh, all of them uh, really detest Donald Trump. And of course, um, you know, we know that there were a whole lot of documents um, that uh, Donald Trump, when he was president, declassified to do with the Russia collusion hoax that would have really uh, Put, put a lot of these people in the hot seat. A lot of them are already being investigated by John Durham. Um, but these classified documents were important. But we know that about 40% of them never got declassified. They were slow walked through the DOJ. And, uh, and now, of course, you can't get at them because the FBI will say and the DOJ will say, oh, no, you know, this is part of an ongoing investigation. So there's a lot of questions to be asked about this raid, it is it is obviously a political raid, um, and as we saw with Rudy Giuliani and uh, Joe DeGeneva and James O'Keefe and the other uh, Trump-allied people or people who are um, doing things that Joe Biden doesn't like, um, basically they get an FBI raid. They have all their devices taken away from them. There are no charges. There's just a cloud hanging over them. And then in Rudy Giuliani's case, 15 months later, he gets his devices back. Case is sort of quietly closed. Um, But the damage is done. It's the process that's the punishment. And you wonder if this is the MO uh, for Donald Trump. Miranda, it's Richard Weinberg. What do you think about having 80-odd thousand new IRS agents? How is that going to work out? I know, doubling the size of the IRS and uh, the Congressional Budget Office today has uh, come out and said that, yes, people earning under $400,000 are going to be the ones who are audited. And uh, this is precisely what Joe Biden promised, that they wouldn't be paying more money and um, and more taxes. And of course, they are. They will be. And uh, Miranda Devine, are you saying that politicians are liars? Well, I'm saying Joe Biden is a professional liar. Not all of them. Hey, wait a second. Wait a second. There's lying in Washington? I'm shocked. Washington's lying? They're not going to get $20 billion in new taxes from middle-class Americans? I am shocked. (laughs) Well, yes. Yes. But, you know, what what makes you crazy is that when Joe Biden today broke his um, vacation briefly to fly back to Washington and sign 
the what they call the Inflation Reduction Act and what I call the IRS Expansion Act, um, he actually made the point again, no one under 400000 is going to pay more tax. And you're talking about couples, each one of them earning 200000 so adding up to 400000 um, and people well below that. I mean, the people, 51%, um, I saw the figures today, of people, I think, earning under $60,000 um, get the most audits. So this is not about hitting the 1%. They're going to get every taxi driver, every waiter, every Uber driver. Did you declare your tips? You know? Well, Miranda Devine, we love you, and thank you so much for for, uh, digging into everything. And yeah, thank you, John. And, and when I'll you find out homework. who owns that hotel, yeah, let us know. The money. Who owns those I've hotels? Got my homework. Yes, I will. I will do that. I'm looking at it. A woman called Maria Kramer, a dancer once married to Max Kramer, owned it until the 50s. It was purchased by William Zeckendorf in September 57, until 64. Then it was sold to somebody in England, apparently. Follow the money. Thank Follow you so much, money. Miranda. And <laughs> thank, you. thank you. And now we're going to go to Adam Goodman, uh, who's a strategist out of Florida, to find out what the heck is going on in Florida. And there's a couple of primaries in Florida. T- tonight, there's primaries in Alaska, uh, and there's a primary in Wyoming. And uh, Adam, where do you want to start? How's Charlie Chris doing in the Democratic primary down there? Well, you know, there was a poll that just came out from UNF that suggests that Nikki Freed has somehow come from political oblivion to taking the lead in the primary. It's probably an outlier poll. It's the same poll that predicted that uh, Hillary was going to prevail over Donald Trump in 16, uh, that Andrew Gillum was going to soundly beat Ron DeSantis in 18, uh, and predicted that it's that pulse that says, well, how much can you pay me and I'll give you the results you like? It's amazing how, <laughs> how facts can be malleable at times. But this, this is probably, this is an outlier. I mean, most of the polling has shown uh, that former Governor Chris has uh, held a very steady lead. Most of it, frankly, is because of name ID. He still has a, a lot of uh, familiarity, uh, especially in the southeastern part of the state, which is where the treasure trove of Democratic votes are. Uh, it's unlikely that Nikki Fried would come from nowhere to everywhere. But, you know, her, I can say that her message uh, is the message that you're hearing in Democratic primaries across the state, which is a, a three-note message, uh, anti-gun, uh, pro-choice, and, of course, anti-Ron DeSantis. Governor Pataki, you have a comment? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I've been following the polling in Florida, and it looks like Governor DeSantis seems to be in good shape at this point in the election. But what is concerning to me is I just saw a poll that had Marco Rubio behind, and I think he's a great senator. And I was just wondering. It might be uh, the same why, pollster. Oh, yeah, could be. Why, why it seems that uh, Senator Rubio seems to be having such a challenge uh, this November. I, I think I think that, uh, again, that poll uh, doesn't – match a lot of polls, Governor, that I've seen uh, over the last couple of weeks in Florida. Uh, I don't think it's likely that uh, Rubio is going to be bested in a reelect in Florida, where over just the past uh, year and a half, for the first time in history, Republican registration has now come to not only exceed Democratic registration, but is almost 300,000 to the good and growing. Uh, and we're at least to this point, and this counts for something, especially um, in primaries, but even in generals, 
I think there's still an enthusiasm gap uh, between the two respective party bases, and I don't think that's being picked up as much in some of the polling, especially in that race, Governor, uh, that would suggest that Marco Rubio might have his hands full. And one of the other developments, by the way, you're probably very familiar with is the Hispanic vote in particular in Florida has gone much more decidedly in the Republican direction, especially in the last two election cycles. That is certainly right at the heart of Marco Rubio's base. And I think that's going to come through big for him in the fall. Yeah, it's uh, too bad for New York that all the New York Republicans have moved to Florida and changed the <laughs> registration down there. Makes it a little tougher up here. Adam, it's, uh, well, it's for, Richard. For some reason, they kind of like the tax policy governor <laughs> just a little bit better. We're trying not to, to take too many New Yorkers, but, but a few has been helpful. Adam, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. What are the big issues come November general election? Uh, in Florida? Yes. Uh, well, certainly it's, it's the Florida story. And that's being critiqued negatively by Democrats seeking office, uh, and it's being glorified by Republicans. If you ask Americans uh, to give you know, their top three states over the last two and a half years in terms of states that have seemingly done well, that are attractive, that they had a parallel life they would move to, some have actually moved in this uh, life, they would put Florida probably at or nearer at the top of that list. And that is a very compelling story, not just for Governor DeSantis, but for the Republican Party there. And a lot of the close races that we've seen um, uh, emerging on, on the congressional front, uh, on for state legislature, uh, all seem to be you know, moving down that same policy path. And that's a very difficult thing to, I think, for Democrats who are having well, into this moment to message against. The two debates going on, uh, the, no, the two uh, primaries tonight is Wyoming, where uh, Sarah Palin, has gonna, I heard, is going to lose big time. In Cheney. Alaska, yeah. Cheney. But you mean Liz Cheney. Cheney. Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney in Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah Palin is running in, in Alaska. Alaska. Yeah, she's in a three-way race a, for the House. How does it look there? Anybody know? Well, I can tell you the Liz Cheney race has been pulling badly for Liz Cheney for a while now. It's It would be, be a real shocker if she pulled it off. Uh, I think speaking for a lot of not just Republicans, but a lot of Americans – uh, you know, she is a, a stand-up kind of player, uh, losing a Liz Cheney, you know, get put up to the side for a second, the January 6th committee, uh, pro-Trump, pro anti-Trump, whatever. She is the kind of leader that Americans generally like and that Wyomians uh, in particular. You think about Al Simpson and other great Wyoming um, leaders that, from the past. That she was one of them. She was cut from the same cloth, of course, her father as well. And I think that would be a big loss, not just for uh, the Republicans, but for America. Adam Goodman, thank you for the update on Florida, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Looking forward to it. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with Dr. Mark Siegel to find out what the heck. Are we going to live longer, or or is the new COVID variant going to kill us? (laughs) Take a break. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. 
at night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. Uh, just a short time ago, President Biden signed the IRS Expansion Act. I mean, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. And Dr. Mark Siegel, it was very curious that he pulled down his mask and then coughed into it. Uh, President Biden. Meantime, his wife just tested positive for COVID. Would you recommend doing that? Well, I don't think, uh, first of all. They must have slept in the same bed. Well, uh, I, I one mean, never knows. He literally took knows. down his mask and then coughed in his hand and then shook hands with Schumer. So. <laughs> Poor Chuck. He's been doing that for Poor a while. And, and when, I, when I said on the show here last week that he immediately tried to forget that he shook hands with Schumer, Kessler, he <laughs> said that I'm, that I'm a comedian, not oh, a doctor. He, so he I, did it on purpose. It's like a bioweapon. I mean, but your point, Lydia, is even better is the, is the contradictions of masking and everything else. And uh, he doesn't seem to know. Maybe he needs a memo. You know, put the mask on now. Take the mask on now. And if you put it in his teleprompter, he's going to read it. He's going to read off the teleprompter. Take take off mask. I know. I know. It's 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 funny, but it's not. Jill Biden. Jill Biden. Did Dr. not get Jill. COVID from her husband. She did not because he he's been over it. He, he, I mean, he was testing positive. He was testing negative. He was testing positive. He was spreading it all over the White House. But the one person he didn't spread it to was her. And so now I don't believe she got it from him. I think she got it from somewhere someone else in South Carolina. And now, of course, uh, she's she, she's going to isolate for five days, and then after five days, she'll you know she'll she'll have the same thing he did on again, off again. Uh, you know, re- rebound probably, that's very common. And uh, um, Dr. Siegel, we're seeing now an eighth case of a child being uh, infected with monkeypox. We saw a dog got monkeypox. Is this something we have to worry about? Well, we're getting a lot more hype. This is still primarily in the gay and bisexual community, people with frequent partners. Uh, there's going to be people that are in close contact with other people that get it. The biggest story here remains, where the heck is the vaccine? And I even heard that from the sitting governor of New York State. I happened to be invited, Lydia, to an exclusive breakfast of someone on the on the radio here. John Casamitidis had the governor, of all people, and she actually pointed out that New York State is being stiff. Well, Judge Weinberg was there, to too. Vac- That's right. You believe what she says? Yes. Oh. You, have, you <laughs> well, wanted to say something, John? No, by the way, Dr. Mihalos is uh, texting in, uh, ask Mark Siegel uh, what, why he thinks Biden or Jill Biden were not given the antibodies uh, for COVID. You know, I'm glad he brought that up. And I thought of him when I, when I, when I talked about that on TV this morning, because Mikolos makes a great point for this. I am a huge fan of beptilivimab, which is the monoclonal antibody. I think it works really well. I think it's probably better than Paxlovid. I think it should be in the conversation. I mean, the answer that they're going to give is she only had mild symptoms. But we are definitely underutilizing that antibody in the United States. I, I, agree, I agree with the great, great Greek physician. And Absolutely. how can you explain to the listeners what's the difference between the antibody treatment and the Paxlovid treatment? And can you use both in the course of treatment with someone that has COVID? Well, Lydia, you could use both. It's a really interesting thing. The, the, the antibody is because your body doesn't have enough antibodies ready to go to fight the virus, so to stop the virus from spreading. The Paxlovid stops the virus from reproducing. So they work totally differently. And there's no reason if you're at risk, you can't use both. The, the biggest problem here, and it's an untold story except on this show, is the scarcity of this antibody. 
And now we're let's go to polio. I mean, what the heck is going on now? It's in the wastewater. How did it get there? And the other two part question that I have is we're seeing a lot more homeless people on the streets in L.A. and Minnesota here in New York City. And now we're seeing the resurgence of these diseases that we never saw before. Should we be worried about the pubonic plague now making a resurgence because of the unsanitary conditions that are occurring? I mean, the amount of garbage we're seeing in rats in the streets uh, the bubonic plate is spread with rats and fleas, and it's a possibility. And leptospirosis from from rat urine. I mean, these rats are bigger than cats, and they're pretty scary looking. I, I had a change from 33rd to 32nd Street coming home at night, I'm telling you. But but I, the polio thing is happening because of people not taking the polio vaccine in certain counties, and it's spreading to New York. It's all about whether you had that polio vaccine when you were a kid or not. The one we use in the United States is dead virus. You can't get polio from it. But people coming into the United States from elsewhere who got the live virus vaccine, hello, Mexico, hello, no borders. Close the border. I mean, there's also plenty what, of polio, what, by two, the way. Those two million people, I'm sure, that came to the United States illegally through the border, surely they've all been vaccinated and boosted and you name it. Right, Dr. Siegel? Listen, yes. I mean, no, of course. Ridiculous. It never, never lands. It's perfect. You me with a cognitive question. Of course, no. By the way, back in 1903, when my grandfather came here to Ellis Island from, uh, from, from a pogrom yet, he was held back for two weeks and while he was tested for TB and everything imaginable. And I, I gave advice to Mayor Adams that those people coming in on the bus, he should test them. Why not? Before putting the kids in the school with our kids. That would mess up the welcoming committee. Okay. They cheered well, them. I, want to, I, I hear the Superman music. Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you. Governor George Pataki, thank you. Judge Richard Weinberg. Hank Shankoff, advisor to the presidents, thank you. Thank you. And what do we stand for in this, uh, on this show? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. We need God's blessing. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you for listening. God bless. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.